Thank you for joining us today as we walk shoulder to shoulder, growing in love of the Lord and each other. I'm Pam Marvin. And I'm Megan Silas. We're back together. It's so good to be with you, Megan. It's good to be back. We do, uh, For those of you who are really on top of it and check each week, we did take a little week off, but we decided, hey, you know what? Hey, uh, we've been doing this long series and maybe it would be good to give people a little opportunity to catch up anyway. So I hope you're all caught up and uh, we have... Two more Beatitudes left in our Beatitudes series, uh, Living the Beatitudes in Our Relationships. So we're in the pentultimate uh, uh, Beatitude here. And uh, so for today, what we're going to be talking about is, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Mm. You know, this one was one of my favorites. Is it? not my favorite. No, I I did not know that. Yes, I always kind of... Felt like I I fit in this in a, in a in a bigger way because right. I am definitely a peacekeeper, but we can talk about this more because I think I've had it a little out of order in some time. Yeah, so let's yeah. talk about that. I think this one can be a little bit tricky because there's a difference between being a peacemaker and being a conflict avoider. <laughs> Amen. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Sometimes we get these things a little confused, like this idea that any sense of, you know, tension, discord or whatever is somehow we're not keeping the peace, you know. And, And so it's really important, I think, as we discuss this beatitude, what is peace? I mean, how can you make peace if you don't know what peace is? And it's really important to have a strong Christian concept of what is peace, because, you know, peace is a big deal in our faith. How many times does the Lord say, peace be with you? You know, my peace, I leave you. My peace, I give to you. Like, the way I look at peace is this is an essential gift that the Lord wants to give us. It is of him. And so peace can only exist truly when it also exists in truth because the Lord is truth and Mm -hmm. he does not provide peace in places of lies. I see where you're going with this. So let me just speak into the culture. Look around what's going on in the culture right now. Yeah. So if you listen to what Megan just said, she's also pointing out that there is no peace outside of truth. So therefore, when people speak untruths um, like gay marriage, et cetera, mm-hmm. there is no peace in that as well. Right. And sometimes we, I think I, I learned this uh, term from um, Bishop Fulton Sheen, Archbishop Fulton Sheen, Venerable Fulton Sheen. <laughs> I, honestly, I don't know what his title is at this point. He's always, it seems to be like in the flux as far as where his canonization process is, but Lord do the work that he would be canonized because I think he's such a prophetic voice. Oh my goodness. We need, we need, Mm -hmm. if you haven't listeners, if you have never read anything written by Fulton Sheen or listened to any videos, uh, because there's a beautiful like catalog of videos because he had this television show that used to be so popular back in the day. Um, you know, non-Catholics and Catholics alike would, would watch it because he was such a powerful, strong voice. Uh, into the speaking into the world. Anyway, he used a term that I learned from him called false peace. And so false peace is when 
again, you're, you're trying to maintain a sense of lack of conflict, but you're doing it at the expense of truth. And what he says, you know, basically the false peace is not a lasting peace. It's not a peace that truly gives comfort to the soul. And so that's not the kind of peace that Jesus is talking about here when he says, blesses are the peacemakers. He's talking about those who truly stand for what he teaches, what he says is true. And what he's promising is, is if you actually do promote the gospel, promote the commandments that he's given us, that peace will come. So it's not so much that we try to create a situation where there's no strife if people are opposing the truth. No, he's promising that if you are faithful to the truth, peace will come. And if you are unfaithful to the truth, the corollary is also true. Faith, peace, true peace will not come. You might have a temporary sort of ceasefire, but yes, the war so still wages. Mm-hmm. For sure. I really like to, I really want to kind of dive in deeper as far as it goes to our personal, like, I'll just use myself as an example, just because I have always been a very anti-conflict. I mean, since, since the beginning of time, I mean, it's just part of my makeup, mm-hmm. the way God made me is, is, you know, to shy away from conflict. And now all these years later, it's a real issue for me. Mm-hmm. Um especially with parenting, as you can imagine. So I want to talk about how we get to the real peace, you know, and, and one of the, the, the things that I'd like for you to expand on too is like, you know, know it, hear it, the, the truth, and be able to be fortified and strengthened to push through the discomfort, the anxiousness we may feel when we're speaking the truth. Because Honestly, because our culture has been that one of such, um, I say, the poverty of prosperity and Mm -hmm. comfort that people don't want to have anything that makes them uncomfortable. But my brothers and sisters, we're here to speak truth and it's going to make people uncomfortable. So, Megan, I kind of want your take because you're a little better at like being confrontational for the truth than I am. I mean, I Mm kind of shy away. I give myself not a pass, but to say, oh, this has been a long time sin habit of mine and I'm ready to get over it. So how do I do that? Well, you know, it's interesting because I was not always like this. Really? Yeah. When I was in high school and early, you know, early on in college, I was a serious conflict avoider. Mm. Like really, I because I just felt so uncomfortable if anybody, if I perceived that anybody was upset with me, like, so I didn't want, you know, and I didn't, I'm also like, um, as a person, very, uh, intuitive of the internal states of others. Like, you know, if, if you look at my, I'm like the Myers-Briggs INFJ, which is actually the like rarest one, interestingly mm. enough. But one of our deals is that we do really like feel the interior emotional state of other people. And so it's like if somebody else is upset or stressed or angry or scared or whatever, it's not just like I see it. I feel it. Yes. Right. I feel it internally. I understand. (laughs) Like, so for me, some, you know, as a younger person, I wanted to, I wanted to withdraw from that. 
Like I wasn't looking to fix it at that stage of the game. I just, I didn't want anything to do with it. And so I would just withdraw. But I don't know, some, something happened in me at some point, like some flip switch, some switch flipped. And I think the reality of what it is, is I think an important thing regarding this that I wanted to talk about. We look at that, blessed are the peacemakers, and we automatically jump to making peace with others. Mm. I think we skip over making peace within ourselves. Mm. Okay. Because at some point I realized, you know what? I really, really care about truth. Like truth for me and the pursuit of it is very much essential to my feeling at peace in my life and in my relationships. And so if I am in a situation where I perceive that the truth is not being lived either internally within myself or in my relationships or in a broader situation, I can't feel peaceful. And so I come to a conclusion at some point that if peace begins with yourself, if you can't bring which to the world or to a relationship, which you do not have, that I have a responsibility to come to a place of internal peace before I then go out into the world and into relationships and try to promote peace. And so for me, if something is inconsistent with truth, either the truth of who I am, so I'm living in a way that's not consistent with who I'm called to be and who I feel the Lord is calling me to be. That's not going to be peaceful. I need to address that. Or outside of myself, if there's circumstances within a relationship or within a culture that are lies, well, I want to address that because that's where, pe- where true peace is found, where lasting peace is found. So when we're looking at this, I would say for to think about this idea that I must first be ordered towards finding peace within myself before I worry about going out and making peace with others. I'm following you. I mean, I, in my personal experience has been, I was not too bad at finding the peace within, but I was terrible about running away and postponing the peace without. Okay. But wait a second. Okay. Now I'm going to challenge you. Okay, now. good. This is going to be a little, maybe we're going to, I'm going to move into spiritual direction. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's a component of what we do though. Right. Here, right. Are you truly at peace within yourself? If you find yourself so disturbed in spirit that you want to run away from something. You know, it's in a box. So when I think about myself in the chapel and, <laughs> and I'm just, I'm sitting there with just me and Jesus and thinking about all of those things that I have, I, I can, I get a lot of peace in there. But then when I start to shift over areas of my life where I'm not performing as well, say like as a parent, like mm-hmm. needing more detachment and things like that, then yeah, it all crumbles apart. Right. So then my point would be, it starts with how can I maintain my peace internally in the difficult situation? It's a good question. So, and why do I not? What is it that is allowing me to let go of my peace? And this is something that I think is really important. And actually something I talked with a spiritual directee about recently. The idea, She had used a term that a situation or a person steals her peace. 
And I said, can someone actually steal your peace? Can right. somebody reach into your soul right. and rip out your peace? No, actually, we can only give it away. No yeah. one can steal it from us. And so the question then becomes, why am I relinquishing my peace? The thing, the very thing that I know that Jesus wants to give me, why am I relinquishing my peace? And then doing the work to understand that before you try to impact the situation one way or another. Can you just simply stand in the situation and maintain your own peace without trying to do anything? And until we get to that place, we're not going to be effective in the next step, which is to interact with the other. Right. I see where you're going with this. So I have kind of this imagery where I can do that conceptually, but when I have someone sitting there yelling in my face, (laughs) trying to maintain Mm -hmm. that interior peace that I think, you know, for the large, most part is there. But when someone's actually literally getting up ugly in my face, that's a different thing. It's challenging. It's It's absolutely challenging. challenging. It takes a lot of grace. It takes a lot of grace. You know, a lot of grace. And, And the recognition that you can't force another person to be peaceful, right? So if your peace is dependent on how another person responds to you, well, you're at the whim of where they're at. So true. You know? Mm -hmm. And then that's, that's really a dangerous place to be in one's life where you're your sense of peace and well-being is dependent on how others receive you or 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 it are not even necessarily receive you but it just how they're functioning within themselves okay so let me let me ask you a question so when you are in kind of a contentious mm-hmm. situation like that um what are some of the things that go through your mind as far as I'm going to stand on the truth? They're not going to take my peace. I'm not going to allow them to touch that peace. Like mm-hmm. what are some practical, I don't know, steps interiorly maybe you go through to put up that armor of God to um, speak a truth where you even know someone's going to probably give you a hard time back? Right. I think what it, one of the things that's really important in a situation like that where there's potential conflict of, you know, difference of opinion, that sort of thing, is to understand where you're at in, in, as it relates to a given issue. Like, there are some issues where I'm not open to being convinced otherwise. Mm-hmm. Like, if somebody's trying to convince me that abortion is okay, that's not going to happen. Right. Th- that is not a place of discussion that is open for me to consider another way of thinking to be persuaded or whatever. So if I'm in that situation, that's different than if there's maybe something that is up for interpretation. I have an opinion and I may have reasons for my opinion, but I understand that there could be other things that I could learn from another person that could potentially um, modify my position. And that would be okay and not sinful. And so To know that about the situation is important because it impacts the way that you enter into a conversation or decide to leave a conversation and your demeanor within it. So 
take the example of something where I'm not open to community to um, changing my mind. Like I'm fully 100% convicted that something is wrong. We'll use the abortion example. So somebody is trying to get into a conversation with me to convince me, maybe they're not trying to convince me that all abortion is good or whatever, but they're just trying to convince me that in certain cases, you know, it's necessary and good. It can be a greater good than not having an abortion. I'm going to basically shut it down quickly by being very honest and open and saying, you have the right to have your own opinions about this matter. I certainly am not going to say that you can't have your own opinion. But what I will say is, is that I strongly believe that it is in no way permissible to kill a child in a womb. There really is no reason for us to go down any conversation path where you're going to try to convince me that that is not true. I'm fully convicted on that. And if that's your intention in this conversation, I think it's best to just end it right now. Gotcha. So basically we haven't come to a place of agreement about the issue, but you can come to a place of agreement about whether or not it's fruitful to discuss it. Right. right. And that's actually a place of peace more so than somebody trying to uh, convince you or in sometimes often ends up becoming attack you for a position that you have no interest or willingness to change on. I also see this as a good point of apologetics in a way, too, though. Like, maybe some people would want to say, well, why is it that you think that is true? You know what I'm saying? Like, to engage yeah, and, them. And I would love to have that to conversation. Have, yeah, and if yeah. they're open to that conversation, great. Okay. And, you know, you could even say, and if you're open to hearing my reasons why I am totally uh, immovable on this point, I'm happy to share those with mm -hmm. you. But that gets to the place of where they're at, you know. But I think we need to understand that some conversations shouldn't happen in a conversation where somebody's trying to convince you of something that you believe is a grave evil. There's no reason for you to have that conversation. If they're not open to understanding that I'm not going to change my position, this isn't a debate. If you are wanting to hear why I hold that position, great, but I'm not looking to debate this issue. Now, if you if there is something that's open, then you have to come at it with a place of, OK, I may hold an opinion, but I acknowledge that that opinion could have, you know, limitations to it. It could I might not understand things completely. There is flexibility within moral law or, or doctrine that I could, you know, come to a different opinion on this matter so, you know, let me come to that with an, a respect and openness to hear what somebody else has to say. Truly listen to what they have to say and not just listen so that you can come up with your rebuttal. Right, right. Right. Because that's not peacemaking. That's no. just defensive, you know, listening so that you can come back with an offense, you know. And then... Also, you know, keep your ego in check. Like if something, if it rises up in you that you're feeling angry or attacked or whatever. Right. You know, say, okay, let me look at that. What is it about what is going on within me that is causing me to respond this way? And maybe it is the demeanor of the other person. 
Sure. Maybe if they're being very aggressive, if they're, right. or if they're having ad hominem attacks or anything like that, then you can step into it and say, I really want to hear your points on this matter, but the way that you're presenting them is preventing me from really receiving Listening, it. Right, right. So if you're, if your intention is to really make me understand your point of view and maybe even convince me of your point of view, which I'm actually over here open to, you're going to need to adjust the way you're presenting the information for me to be able to do that. Mm. Be able to say those words. Right, right. But if it's not them, the way they're presenting it, but it's just within you and it's your own pride, in that moment, you kind of need to say a prayer. Say, ask the Holy Spirit, say, Lord, I feel my pride welling up. I feel myself closing down because I don't want to be opposed. Give me the grace to have the open-heartedness that this situation calls for. Right, right. And I also want to, you know, this is something I that I'm very good at, um, that is not good. <laughs> but I, I want to, like, this is just a life lesson I've learned. And, and what that is, is deferred peace. Okay. I have been a masterful person of calming people down in the moment, mm-hmm. only to have it just be deferred to another time. That is not what we're talking about here. Right. And oftentimes getting in the middle and between people to try and make the peace is not necessarily what God is calling you to do. Absolutely. It's just maybe deferring the agony, so to speak. Yeah. And I think it, one of the things that really does help to maintain a sense of respect that it engenders peaceful engagement is that you really do honor the dignity of the other person even if they disagree with you completely. Like it's very easy for us sometimes, especially for people who are promoting things that we find abhorrent to in our own hearts, sort of minimize their value as a person, you know, and to sort of tear them down in our own hearts. Like we have to really not do that if we're going to be able to bring any real peace to the world, because if we're standing on principles that so much go down, go to the fact that we are all created in the image and likeness of God, we all have dignity. If we're not living that in our interactions, then we look like hypocrites in our arguments. Amen. Yeah. So, so true. we really need to be careful about that when we're feeling, cause it's, you know, it's human nature. It's easy to want to like, just say that person's just a jerk. They're a jerk. I can't stand them. They're they're evil in their in their thinking and evil in their beliefs. Like, you know, yeah. Sometimes it just looks like that, and maybe they have actually been totally overshadowed by the enemy. But our response to that should not be hatred, but it should be deep compassion, and mercy, and mercy and pain over the idea that a children of God, a child of God, has been so taken over by the enemy. Like in desire for their liberation there that they, cause there's no, there's no peace in their soul. If they're, you know, totally complicit with the, the enemy in their lives, you know, so to maintain that sense of charity and mercy towards another, I think is also a big part of bringing peace into the world. And as we're kind of getting towards the end of our time, that went by quickly, very quickly, um, to just talk about the idea of being a child of God, mm. like, and what a beautiful thing that is. And it, it does bring to mind the idea of humility, right? That it does take humility to bring peace in a, into a situation. And 
it sometimes it takes boldness, but humility in the boldness, right? But that promise that we'll be children of God and that we are all children of God in, in his heart, that he loves us all and remembering that. And that even when we need to fight for truth, remember that we're fighting for truth. We're not fighting that person. That's right. You know, as Paul says, we do not fight against, you know, what is this? What's the word he used? Humans or, or something. The principalities? But we're fighting against principalities yeah. and all those sort of things. Our, we fight against an enemy and the enemy is not ever another human being. They are our brothers and sisters one way or another, whether they're, you know, brothers and sisters in Christ or not. They're still our brothers and sisters in the human race that God loves every single one of. And we won't really ever bring peace if we don't live out that in our hearts. Amen. I do want to leave with us with one Bible verse because I think it's beautiful. It's from uh, the beginning of the second letter to the Philippians. And Paul says, um, <clears throat> excuse me, therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. True peace comes when we all are thinking and living with the mind and heart of Christ. And in the end, perhaps the greatest, not perhaps, the greatest means of bringing peace to the world is bringing Jesus Christ to the world. Amen. Let us go and be peacemakers. By spreading the gospel. Shall we pray? Yes, please. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, you desire our peace, and you have come to give us peace, and we understand that the world does not have that for us. But we are called to bring it to the world. We are called to be salt and light. We are called to be your messengers of peace and truth. So, Lord God, we pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would make us one mind and one heart and one spirit as Christians, that we would be united in the knowledge of truth and bringing that truth to a world that is very dark and very confused at this time, that we would shine the light of truth and that that could be the means to which we could bring peace to a world that desperately needs it. There is so much chaos and confusion that we experience in these days, Lord, but you have the answer. You have the remedy, and that remedy is you, Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. So let us be bold in proclaiming it, even if it doesn't seem peaceful in the moment. But may we have always the trust that if we are faithful to you, your work will be done and that you will bring the peace because in the end, Lord, we do not bring peace. It is your gift and we are asked only to present it to the world. So we, may we be gift bearers in this world of that precious gift of peace that you so long to give to your children. Look on us, O Lord, O heavenly father, as your dear children and give us the grace that we need to live in your will. We pray all these things in the name of our savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, we thank you so much for joining us today, and we hope you'll tune in again next time. And please share it with any of those you in your life that you feel would be blessed by that. Maybe you're struggling with somebody in a relationship, and you need to foster some more peace in that relationship. Maybe you could listen to it together, or encourage that person to listen to it, and then have a talk and share your hearts. 
But we hope that you'll come and share hearts with us again next time as we continue to walk shoulder to shoulder. So until that time, God bless. God bless.